Oh yeah, I mean, it, well, it's owned by Yahoo. I think it's their their best property. I mean, this is a legitimate this is a legitimate site. You're telling me Yahoo Store isn't doing well anymore? <laughs> <laughs> podcast listener even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey know that today right now in your earbuds you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better more profitable location independent businesses if you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog check out tropicalmba.com Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's a Tropical MBA podcast. This one's at tropicalmba.com slash China Sourcing. Boss man, how you doing, buddy? What's going on over in your neck of the woods? We're getting ready to talk about a little China sourcing, my friend. Got a call in this week and said, dig a little bit deeper, fellas. Been doing business for yeah. eight years over there. You can't tell me a little bit more? Just a little bit more? I know. People are like, break a sweat, boys. What's going on? <laughs> let's, listen to, let's listen to that call right now. Dan, this is Ron. I've got a podcast called the uh, Series 7 Podcast, but this call is not about that. I've got a product that I am in the process of prototyping, and I'm looking for a Chinese manufacturer or a U.S. manufacturer. I've got my cost down in the U.S., but I was really interested in your last podcast episode about China factory sourcing strategies, but I was bummed out that you really didn't give advice about how to outsource your product. China. Could you give me some good sources on where to learn about outsourcing to China? Do I need to take a trip over and talk to people? If I do, I don't have a problem. It's a big country. Where do I go and how do I talk to people? The product is an aluminum product or a plastic product. It's a consumer product. Just uh, love your podcast. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All right, Franz. Hey, this is a really tough topic. We're going to do our best to lay it on the table here. So first off, congratulations that you want to manufacture your own product. It looks like you want to do a consumer product, uh, aluminum and plastic. So what's made out of aluminum and plastic, Ian? You got to guess. I think the first thing you want to think about is traditionally, I guess when Ian and I were starting out, one of the opportunities in giant air quotes for people that had a product was to get on board with one of these invention companies. Do you remember these kinds of things, Ian? Yeah, there's like the guy pushing the pushing around the stone wheel or something on TV. It's like 1-800-BAD-IDEA. Don't call those guys. This is not something we want to do. Francis doesn't sound like the kind of guy that wants to do that kind of thing, but we just want to put that out there. Uh, in general, so well, well, what are the what are the alternatives? So the the reason why those companies are stalking people is is why because that's the opportunity and to charge people, you know, to get this stuff done because it's such an opaque process. Everybody's got an idea, but no one really knows how to get it done. And I think we've long talked about this as a business opportunity for someone like you, Ian, or. Uh, Matt Kowalik or Peter Keller or somebody like this to step up and say, hey, I'm going to help you go to China because this this stuff is so opaque. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people are, are going to flip off this episode halfway through because they're going to say, man, this is not simple. It's not, you know, there's no like clear cut answer to how to get your product manufactured in China. So there is an opportunity, but it's not the scientist inventor looking guy on late night TV. Definitely not. 
All right, Franz, so we've got five things that we want you to take a look at when you're starting to go to China. The first thing is factory alignment. We're going to talk about some specific tactics later in in the episode to to find and identify factories. But I think at the beginning, it's very important not to just go with any factory that can produce your products. In particular, when you're developing consumer products, it might be a bad idea to go with a consumer product factory because those factories are generally used to doing a gazillion units for IKEA. So they might not want to develop a product for you that you're only going to do 5,000 units. Well, you never know. I mean, so it's it's hard to tell, Dan. So there's a couple points in here. Factory alignment. So the first one that you brought up is the quantity, the number that you're going to roll out or the number that you assume you're going to produce. You need to find a factory that's the same size as you. We've talked about this before. So when you go find your factory, a lot of times, you know, if you go to the best factory that makes all the best stuff, they're not interested in developing new products. They're used to Samsung and Apple coming to them and saying, yeah, we've got this model. We're going to sell millions of it. We just need you to help us produce it. If you're going to a factory and you need help producing the product, then that's yes. a different factory than the Apple and Samsung product. So it kind of depends on what stage you're at, right? The the thing about it is, is like you said, that there's no way you can know until you talk to them openly about this stuff. So I think it's better right. not to try to sneak yourself in there and be open and communicative. Look at what Jimmy and Doug did with their Manal suite. Everybody talks about my bag every time I put it on my back. They developed that product at one of the leading bag factories in Asia. So, you know, on, I don't want to get too much into it, but, you know, on the one assembly line, you've got, you know, top-end bag company in every airport, and on the other assembly line, you've got Jimmy and Doug's product. So sometimes it can be the advanced factories that have a developed sales support team that are motivated that can find time on the line. That's true. That's true. I think I think what they went through was rare, and there was definitely some deceit, I think, involved in that situation. Um, but it ended up working out for the best, right? What do you mean by deceit, though? Let's go into that. Okay. So, you know, when you go to a factory, like you said, either you got two approaches. You can be really open about what's going on, or you can not be so open. Franz is talking about... Uh, the first tip-off that I have in his call that makes me feel like he's not exactly sure what's going to happen with this product is that he doesn't know if it's going to be aluminum or plastic. I think he said or. And to me, when you go to a factory and they're one of these like high-quality, high-caliber factories, I should say high-caliber factories, Like if you go to them with a spec and everything's detailed out and you know exactly the materials and manufacturing process – they're going to know that you've done your homework and that you're the real deal. If you're like going to the backpack factory and you're like, well, I think maybe that, yeah, that's like a red flag in their mind, right? Like these guys have never developed the backpack before. They don't know what they're doing. We're going to have to help them along. And like you said, if they have sales resources in place to help you do that, then great. But I don't think that that's always the case. So you're suggesting that Jimmy and Doug didn't have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm suggesting what they did was uh, they were very careful about the process. And I hate that word careful. They had it planned out step by step, exactly how they were going to approach these guys, how they were going to kind of make it look like they were maybe bigger than they are, and then how they were going to develop the product with them. And I think that they they were very tactful. And I think probably the easier approach, I guess, Dan, is to try and find a factory that's aligned with your goals. So We've done both, right? So we've done the thing where you go to the factory and you just like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm the biggest thing to ever hit this town. Like this product's going to blow up. Trust me on it. 
right? There's that one. And then there's, hey, this is a new product. We're looking for a supplier. Yes, our quantities are low in the beginning, but we hope to ramp up. I guess I'm more on the honest end of the approach these days, Dan, because uh, I've just wasted a lot of time acting like I'm the big guy. What we talked about before is uh, scaling with your factory. I think it's important that you're kind of the same size as your factory the whole time. And And when you find yourself not aligned, you need to jump ship and maybe find another factory. You get too big, your factory gets too big. So I guess I'm in the camp of honesty these days. It's possible that the sales rep will move you along and then you don't get anywhere when it comes to production time. I've seen that happen too. So it can make sense, you know, as we figure out how to identify factories to get a few irons in the fire here. So let's move on to the second point, Ian. It's the Alibaba scouring method. So there's nobody that wants to produce a product that hasn't found themselves at some point on Alibaba. If you're not familiar with the site, it's basically like the Google or the Amazon.com of sourcing. And so there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of bad stuff, but everybody's basically represented on Alibaba in some way or another, except for maybe the very top people that don't need it. So let's talk about... I think even even those guys are there now. By the way, Alibaba, I think, is filing yes. to go public in the next couple of weeks. That, that company is, uh, is a massive. It's like a huge sleeping yeah. giant. For the most part, they just do like B2B stuff. But I guess now they're expanding into AliExpress and a, and a couple of different. Oh yeah, companies. I mean it was owned by Yahoo. I think it's their their best property. I mean this is a legitimate this is a legitimate site. You tell me Yahoo Store isn't doing well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, two thousand seven we were on that. Right? We we were the most gangster Yahoo Store owners of all time. In fact, we got highlighted for our design prowess on that platform i mean i think wow. we the best looking yahoo store i've ever seen that's because we made every freaking jpeg ourselves because there was right. <laughs> oh that was so oh man i could go in on on about that so uh, so alibaba a couple things to point out here everybody goes to alibaba the first thing to mention about alibaba is you got this idea, you get this product in your hand, you want to manufacture it. First thing I do when I go to Alibaba is I try and figure out what other factory manufactures a similar product. So when we were manufacturing our portable bars to begin with, I wanted to go to restaurant supply, restaurant equipment supply manufacturers who did large volumes of stainless steel and see if they could do the product for us. Mm -hmm. Um, The product looks similar, uses a similar construction, it uses stainless steel. So when you're on Alibaba, try and find another factory that makes a similar product. If you want to make motorcycle gloves, don't you know, don't go to the coat manufacturer, go to the motorcycle manufacturer. Yeah. The next thing with Alibaba is everybody's lying. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's straight lying on Alibaba. When you look at the factory profiles, like I very rarely show up to a factory and have it be in alignment with what they say on there. So generally they're, it's generally inflated. So generally they inflate their sales that they do. They inflate how many employees they have. They don't generally inflate their capabilities because that's a little bit more transparent. But like nine times out of 10, when I see a factory on there, it's like a picture of some other factory that's not their factory and the numbers are inflated. It's not always a bad thing. You know, it's just something to look for. And also on Alibaba, don't be scared of the minimums because those are also inflated. Right. And so when you contact people on Alibaba, you know, are you just sending them an RFP and a detailed specification? I mean, I think, you know, that's part of it, Ian. It's just like you were saying, having your, your documents in order, being the real deal. In terms of approaching people, 
you know, I don't think it makes sense to be like sign this NDA or I'm not really sure I want to share my spec for you. I mean, unless you got, you know, the, the, the recipe to new Coke or something, I just think you send this stuff out there and you get started, right? Yeah, totally. On Alibaba these days, there's like a chat feature. A lot of times they're like Skype or Yahoo Messenger name is on there. So you don't even have to call them. Generally, you can just chat with them right there. Yeah, just send them your spec. What I'll do a lot of times is I'll ask them what region they're in because I'd like to know if they're in the region. Because you like basically the way that Chinese factories work a lot of times is like all the same factories are in the same region. Like China is very organized like that. Yeah. So if you can find the region, then you can kind of find the factory. And if the, if you find another factory that's not in the region, like I got to question why they're not in that area sometimes. Yeah. And, and a way to find this information can be to specifically be talking to these agents and just and, and knock down questions. And, and keep in mind, though, that like a nod and a yes will be a very common answer. So you kind of got to like cross-reference people because people will say things that are blatantly untrue and not be so torn up about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they'll just say, you know, <laughs> That's how yes it works. to a lot of things and they'll agree to a lot of things. So yeah, you, you, you got to be super mindful about that. The other trick that I use when I'm contacting people on Alibaba is if they say that they can't do it or, you know, it's not within their core competencies, I'll ask them if they know anybody that can. Because China is like a very connected place. And a lot of times I've like gotten referrals that have ended up pretty, pretty good for me. Are they got an uncle or an aunt or a cousin somewhere? And they might be willing to help you with that connection. A lot of times, Ian, on Alibaba, we talk about agents versus factories. Can we talk about our QC agents really quickly and how we got them and, and what they do for us in China? Okay, so basically, our setup is this. is uh, We've got a sourcing office that we deal with in China. And these are like trading companies or sourcing teams in China. And the arrangements are different for us. It's basically a couple guys and a, ga- a couple gals in an office, and then they have some engineers as well. And it kind of depends on the different products that you do. Uh, a lot of the time, these companies won't have engineers. They'll lean on the engineers that are at the factories, but our team happens to have some engineers. So it's basically a guy and a girl and another guy, I think, that do sourcing. And they also do like uh, logistics, so making sure that your products are on the container or shipping them around. And then they also do quality control, and they also help to to manage the lead times with the factory. So a couple ways to go about this, right? So like you can go work directly with the factory, and we have a couple of relationships right. where we do that. The way that that works is if they speak good English, essentially. The way that it doesn't work is if they don't speak good English. So most of the, most of our relationships are brokered through our agents, and that's kind of cool because it's like a buffer, right? So like you can kind of play the blame game, and that happens a lot in China, where you can kind of like push the blame around to a lot more people if there's kind of a third party involved. And it's not, in our case, very expensive. So it's basically a percentage of whatever lands on a container. What percentage um, are you paying, boss man? This is a transparent podcast. Yeah, let's say less than 10. <laughs> why aren't doing you, pretty good. Why aren't you willing to share that number? What's... I think if you're, I, I think mean, is it, what's the, what's the matter? Are you feeling naked or what's what's going yeah, on? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm saying, not going to question Look, your business prowess, man. You can do. You got to cut your own deals, man. I could <laughs> I could lead you to the deal, but you got to cut your own. Deal. All right, number three, the mastermind approach to finding product manufacturers. This is point number three. One of the ways in which we find suppliers and QC agents 
in China is by networking with our fellow product entrepreneurs because we are like the white lions in the internet marketing space or what the, the white cheetahs or what's what's rare i don't know <laughs> we all can recognize each other and it is often the case that we'll send along one of our peers to our suppliers or vice versa so how do you find a mastermind group uh, i know you're in a mastermind group ian tell us about it good question i i'm actually not active right now i don't know if i told you that yeah if you're gonna go manufacture in china for sure talk to somebody that's done it before try and get yourself in a group that's done it honestly Dan, I'm trying to like point people to good resources, but like you said, the market is poised. Somebody needs to come out with a product that that helps people with this problem. But uh, I, you know, I'll help you if you email me. I'll definitely help you. I like talking about China. Matt and Peter in the DC, and there's a couple other guys in the DC. They'll help you with the product too. So honestly, I think right now, aside from plugging the DC, the DC is like one of the better places to learn about product manufacturing and sourcing in there. All right, enough of that. And then number four, <laughs> China factory <laughs> visits. You led me to that, man. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. All you right. can lead. You can lead a horse to the deal, but you, you know if they don't, they drop. <laughs> they drop it when you give it to them. Number four, the, <laughs> the factory China visit. A, a lot of these China factory visits are nothing more than v- like going over there and visiting the anchor factory. You know, the the factory that you're most excited about from your Yahoo chat. And literally just going over there and having them pick you up from the airport and hanging out with them for a little bit. Yeah, by the way, if you if you tell these uh, factories in email and in Yahoo Messenger, I would probably wait until it's like dating, right? Like you don't wanna you don't wanna blow it in the Yahoo Messenger and be like, I'm coming over. I uh, love you. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> I'm wait, picking my mom. <laughs> wait until the email phase of that. Maybe just move it on to email, send the specs. But the second that you tell a factory that you're serious enough that you're coming over, it gets pretty serious. They start to get a lot more involved. If you can have your number one factory, like you said, Dan, if you don't have a sourcing agent, a lot of times that number one factory will like pick you up from the factory and uh, drive you to their factory and all that stuff. But another reason to have an agent, if you have an agent or a team on the ground, like generally they will take care of all your your logistics and transportation and all that good stuff when you're in China. If you're trying to bounce around from factory to factory without an agent, I don't know what the best thing is for that. I'm sure there's... You can do that. But let me tell you this. Like a lot of times, like some a guy like Franz, we even said this on the podcast, you know, you go to Alibaba.com and you kind of run into a few agents. You're like, no, no, I want to talk directly to the supplier. Well, I think one of the things we might want to step back and take up some of those agents on their offers. And when you get to China, go around with them, right? Because here's one thing about China that I think is interesting and not so much in our business culture is that people are willing less and less so over the years, but still very much so, willing to take their time with you. So it's an agent will spend a couple days with you running around in a van. Like that's their job. They will hang out with you, take you out to lunch, introduce you to them, to the uncle and aunt and the guy, oh yeah, by the way, down the street, there's this other factory. And that can be an interesting process for you to go through. So it might make sense for you to hook up with an agent, even if that means you're paying a few points at the beginning, big deal. If your first few production you know, runs, you're paying 15% to the, the QC mafia or whatever, that's cool because you're getting that extra information. And it was, I think, on the Champs podcast with Arsenio Hall, Ian, by the way, what an excellent suggestion. Wonderful. How about Eddie Murphy's agent when he said, like, success always gives you the opportunity to renegotiate. So in other words, don't don't worry about the terms that you enter into this thing on. You just want to get boots on the ground. You want to see a bunch of suppliers and learn the lay of the land. Success 
When that comes, then you can go direct to the factory and say, hey, thanks, Mr. Sourcing Agent. Grease them up a little bit, and then you're going direct to the supplier. That's not going to be a problem. I totally agree, Dan. I think that that's a good plan. And you just pointed out the factories versus uh, agents thing. I think that that warrants a little bit of uh, explanation. We went into it in an earlier podcast. A lot of times, factories and agents, it's very hard to discern who is who on Alibaba. And even when you ask these people point blank, who's what? So basically, an agent is like an authorized or maybe not even an authorized agent of the factory. A lot of uh, factories have their own agents, so they are legit, but sometimes they don't. And these guys are just kind of freelancers. And they will go around repping the factories. The problem with using an agent is that you probably won't get the best price. But as you pointed out, Dan, there are advantages to using an agent too, especially if you're just getting started. Absolutely. So you mentioned here that if the boss doesn't pick you up, then they have no respect for you. And I'll tell you what is even um, a bigger disrespect. I I meant go to lunch. If if he doesn't show up or go to lunch with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine if they didn't take you to lunch altogether. You, That's not good. Wow. You know that things are bad. Number five, when you find two to five potential suppliers, what are the next steps? So what are, are the steps here? I think one thing you want to look out for, for Franz in particular, is that we're talking about aluminum and plastic, which immediately I'm thinking tooling. So we want to make sure a lot of times they'll come to you and say, oh, if you want us to sample that, it's going to be $15,000. And you want to be careful. You have to understand your tool. Know your tool in this circumstance. In the case of plastic products, you can always do like a 3D printing sample before you go to the real sample, which would require the tool making process. And note that when you pay for tooling, you own the tool. So you want to see that thing if you're paying 15000 for it and know that you can move it around to your other suppliers as well. So in the, in the long term, you know, that never works out. Like you can, you never, you're never really able to, to move the tooling around. And also, you know, the tooling wears out eventually too. Yeah. So, I, you know, just be careful about that in the sample phase, right? Because know if you're using aluminum, if there's any way you can use an extrusion instead of making a mold with the plastic stuff, you know, is there any way that you can use a 3D printer to see a sample of it before you make a mold, et cetera? Because th- a lot of times they do this. This is weird. They're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, I guess they make a margin on the tool. So it's like, hey, you know, it's $15,000 to get a sample of that. You could be like, what? Squeeze me? Yeah, and the tool the tooling cost varies widely too. Like that's one of the things I found with like plastic is you can go to one factory and they'll quote you fifteen thousand, the other factory will quote you five. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is because maybe they're not manufacturing it as nicely or as precision as the first place. Um, you should always ask how long the tool is going to last. But uh, some factories they just feel like that's the place where they can really get you. Yeah, <laughs> you know the price cost on a piece of plastic generally isn't high. So a lot of factories, especially if they can smell the green on you, they will up the tooling costs. So, you know, one more thing, Dan, here in terms of China versus the United States, you know, if you're manufacturing plastic and depending on what you're manufacturing, it doesn't always pay off to go to China for some of this stuff. So yeah, I, I would uh, I would say, you know, right now, probably 20% of our Stuff is manufactured in the United States, but it's hey, that's twenty percent. So so and and, and th- those things tend to be the products that are highly mechanized or are wood based. Yeah. So in the case, if you, I mean, if you want any kind of milling, it can often be an advantage to stay in the United States. If you want any kind of thing that sort of weld sheet metal bends intensive like that and knockdownable, China is the wheelhouse for that. Uh, a lot of times plastic injection and anything that's on like a CNC machine, you're going to be just as fine doing it here in the good old US of A. 
So some something to think about. I'm trying to think, you know, when I think back to these sourcing successes, Ian, I think, you know, get, finding a supplier in China is still like the CrossFit of your hustle muscle. You know, it's like the highest level test finding a factory. When I think to what Jimmy and Doug did to find their factory, for example, it's like a James Bond story of like following delivery trucks into the, you know, the factory shopping lot and, you know, putting on a suit and walking into the sales office and stuff. It is, it can be a lot of that, Franz. Like it's, there's just really like no clear, like here's a map of the shoe factory town and you know, here's which factory you should walk into. It it does tend to be this thing of like knocking atoms, getting on the ground, you know, working the Yahoo messenger and finding a way to just get it done. Yeah. You know, Franz brought up a, a question in the call and he said, should I show up to China? I think the answer is absolutely Yes. Remember, Dan, I, I spent uh, 30 days in China like five or six years ago trying to find that plastic factory. It was like really worthwhile. I mean, I found what I needed to find. So I think if you're serious about your products, like you should, uh, you should definitely go to China. You should check out the factory. You should see how it's made. Uh, you should talk with these people about your product and kind of the future and, and get a good idea for what they're up against too. Because you'll probably learn a lot about how to manufacture. You'll probably learn more than you will sitting behind your desk. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're a little bit in the dark about it, I think this is the nature of it is that that's going to be the case and that it's going to slowly be revealed to you over the course of months. It's not like here's how to go do it yet until someone steps up and does this product. I hope it's you, boss man. But well, we'll see. You know, I want to uh, I want to point you to an article, Dan. It's called the Amazon Whisper. Have you read that? No, I haven't. But now I will I will, I will follow notes. any content piece. Now you've earned my trust through this Champs podcast thing. Finally, Franz, I would take Ian up on his offer. Send that spec to Ian at tropicalmba.com. Maybe he'll send it to his sourcing agent and see what's up with that. Thank you for calling us and helping make the Tropical MBA podcast a better place. We will be back, as always, next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you want to see the show notes, uh, or the uh, we'll probably have a photo of one of our products or something like that. Who knows what we do? The, the blog posts are fabulous, all done by authorityengine.com, by the way. TropicalMBA.com slash China Sourcing. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to TropicalMBA.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.